Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest, Brett Valentini, to talk about the song Token Back to Brooklyn off of a bunch of stuff. Factory Showroom is what I'm going to stick with for now. Here we go. What's happening, Greg? Yo, we're finally making this happen. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, I was looking back at all these emails. The first one, well, first we were talking over Twitter messages because I realized that, uh, I don't know if you had liked or comments on one of my tweets or something, but I looked over at your profile and I'm like, I got it, like, they might be giants. And the White Sox. <laughs> and we started messaging there all the way back in March of 2021. Wow. It was almost a year-long negotiation. Boy, I held out for my price, Greg. I really did. We set a date, which was already far in advance because I was booking so far out. Mm -hmm. I had to cancel that one out of my stupidity. And then then you had to cancel one for less (laughs) not stupid reasons. Yeah. And uh, now we're finally doing the thing on January 26th of 2023. Didn't quite make a year, but we came close. Yeah, yeah, because I was trying to, I think, I was trying to get you on while it was still, like, the baseball season, and then that is long since passed, and we're almost, you know, coming around to the next Yeah, things have only gotten now. worse, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that segment short. <laughs> yeah, because you're a podcast host yourself, the Southside Sox podcast, sure. and um, how long have you been doing that? Uh, it's been five years. Uh, when I first took uh, over Southside Socks, uh, you know, the podcasting wasn't even, I don't know, it wasn't mandatory, wasn't encouraged. Uh, the, the people doing it before sort of took theirs somewhere else. So we really didn't have anything. And I didn't want to do it. The, the work was enough for me, just the, the, the writing, the editing. You know, I had a more skeleton crew. When I started, so I was like, I don't want to do this. I, there's something about it that didn't appeal to me now. Of course, it's, it's second nature. It's one of the more fun things you know, to do, uh, you know, related to the site, but yeah, at first, no, nah. but then once we started getting into it, you know, we've done, you know, like 
150 podcasts about the White Sox, which is arguably 150 too many. But, uh, you know, we just keep going. <laughs> and they keep giving us terrible things to talk about. So I guess we'll talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I had high hopes of being getting a last season, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they didn't last too long. You like everybody else. And yeah, it just keeps swirling swirling downward again short segment of this podcast <laughs> what are we looking like for next year how, how what's been going on during the off season oh great you're <laughs> I, I don't want to well first of all you are extremely unique and then you're the if as a person whose only sports attention is the chicago white Sox, might make you a group of one and and super kudos for that that is extraordinary <laughs> Uh, that said, yeah, this is a good off season to check out. I mean, they've mostly done nothing. They're cutting back on payroll. They just signed a player, uh, Andrew Benintendi, who is their biggest contract in history, Whoa. which is still only like a $75 million contract, which, you know, I mean, to a non-sport fan, sounds like, yes, I would like <laughs> that money for my contract. But in the baseball world, that's still nothing and embarrassing and a pittance. And, of course, the most uh, recent news um, here in this offseason is that one, the, 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 the second most prominent free agent signed for the White Sox, a pitcher named Mike Clevenger, who already has a bit of a criminal history, be it uh, breaking COVID protocol during the pandemic mm. or abandoning uh, at least his first family, has uh, now come out um, or been revealed as, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, continued spousal abuser and child abuser. And so now, <laughs> of course, the fan base is even more up in arms than they already were for the White Sox doing nothing. It's taken this, you know, much sadder turn because this has nothing to do with the fandom or how well the White Sox are. Yeah. It's just a habit of not background checking your players or ignoring, worse, ignoring mm -hmm. uh, what you learn. Um, and so it's gone from a mediocre to you know middling offseason to really sort of a horrific one looking ahead to the season of course Greg, <laughs> is uh you know it can't you would say it quote unquote can't be as bad as last year uh winning as many as many as they lost uh which was of course far more disappointing going in that's about at least 10 wins less than any of us would have thought they would mm -hmm. have for last mm -hmm. year um very safe to say they'll move up from that but very also easy to imagine they will move down and not even be a a winning or 500 team great so, uh yeah i mean yeah you you may be able to check out a fandom a little <laughs> earlier this year you'll squeeze in a schedule a few more podcasts hey i'll come back <laughs> Uh, and, you know, we can talk about things other than the White Sox. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, they were, a, you know, they were an injured team, uh, a team led by a, a poor hire and a manager in, in, in Tony La Russa. Mm. Uh, just a lot of things were ready to go wrong, and they did go about. All of them went wrong, and nothing in the offseason, unfortunately. As much as I want to encourage you into your only sport for the summer, <laughs> uh, proceed with caution. How about that? Proceed with caution, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't. Really though, I can't remember the last season that I didn't proceed with caution into. It's uh, it, it's and, it's and been you know, up and down. Yeah, as a as a as a longer time fan, even than you, uh, you know, traditionally until this last decade or so, Greg, there's been something about being a White Sox fan that says, you know, I mean, you can't be you can't crow too much, you can't be too proud. But this team was always competitive. The idea mm -hmm. that this team has become an embarrassment nationally it's a joke for hiring a uh, a manager who just was arrested for a dui uh now this latest thing you know with with clevenger yeah. and you know a lot of other little weird things you know certainly more minor than both of those which are extraordinarily 
uh, serious offenses. Uh, it's just this isn't what being a White Sox fan was for so yeah. many years. And the fact that now in the in the teens here, now into the 20s during the so-called contention window when we're supposed to be talking, we're supposed to be celebrating the World Series championship of 2022. I would have got probably a block, a week block of podcasts with you just to <laughs> you know be able to highlight each game of the World Series. And instead we're talking about a 500 team that you know just made a big signing of a of you know of a, of a domestic abuser and uh, you know oh the big relief was they got a new unknown manager now instead of this guy who you know, uh, who drives who, drunk and is well past his who prime. Do we got now? Uh, it's just Pedro Pedro Griffal is now the manager. He was plucked from the esteemed Kansas City Royals ah, organization, okay. Greg. So you can see where that's going. Uh, basically, yes man, who is um, you know, um, yes man can work if the people who are telling you to say yes or no know what they're doing, and I don't think that's been proven. <laughs> so again, proceed with us. <laughs> Real caution this year, not that fake caution. This year, real caution. Right, we'll do, we'll do. Yeah, <laughs> but please read Southside Sox. Come yeah, and read our SouthsideSox.com. It's nothing but sunshine and rainbows. You'll just love yeah. it. <laughs> sunshine and rainbows. Which, if you're a Pink Floyd fan, you hate those rainbows. <laughs> oh boy, we ever. My goodness, what a world. That was one of the other things to. Uh, happened over this past week for music fans um yeah let's not even bother with that people can look that up just i don't know you could probably google pink floyd and rainbows and uh and uh be horrified at how stupid some people are um so let's get into team bg so we have been talking for a while now and um team bg has played a big part in your life in a couple of different ways why don't you take us back to the very beginning how did you uh, discover they might be giants. How'd you get into them? Let's go back 30. I was trying to do the math. I think I got it right. 34 years, uh, college, uh, my, uh, RA, uh, neighbor, uh, RA, uh, Bob Price had the first album. I, I can picture the first album because it's in, it's all its glory. Had the first album, maybe the second. He obviously had copies of both. So, uh, this would be pre-flood, and of course, I made a you know, sorry guys, cassette copy, just so I could listen to it over and over again, uh, and 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 get big into it. So the first, the first time, uh, again, this is real old school, but you know, the first time where you're eagerly awaiting an album release and you like make a pilgrimage down to the record store to go pick it up would be uh, flood, and uh, me and Bob and, and, and also my roommate, uh, Brad, we all did that. And, and I bought the CD and maybe I bought a cassette or whatever. Anyway, we listened, had our immediate listening party and we're just, of course, you know, floored uh, by, you know, the uh, just, you know, really everything about it. Loved it from from the beginning. Um, and, you know, listening to it, you know, alone, which I've done plenty of times. We've all done you know, a listen to a, a release or even just a song uh, alone for the first time. You know, it's a different experience than with people. With people's, of course, way more fun. You can immediately bounce new ideas, things they heard that you didn't hear, etc. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that motivated us to see a first show. I, I mean, it's not a visual podcast, but I even dug out the ticket stub, $12 ticket. That's with yeah. Convenience yeah. charges, $12 ticket at a probably almost immediately defunct uh, venue called Club A down in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, this was still metronome time. This is still just the duo. Uh, they're selling tour fezes. 
uh, we got in. I mean, we were, you know, we were right there, right on the stage to the point where there was some big delay with John and John getting on. I don't know if they're on the road or if there's some technical thing. There's some big delay between flash to bang time, which was the opening act, huh. <laughs> probably quickly defunct as well, hmm. uh, and uh, them coming on. And so we just we sat under the stage, which of course is not advised, but we were <laughs> under tired, the so stage? we sat under the stage and just wait. Yeah, under the stage. Yeah, I mean it was. <laughs> Yeah, this is like a step above a high school auditorium, I suppose. Uh, but then, you know, we got the metronome experience. I think Brad was tempted to get the Torfez, but uh, but held off. Uh, that was the first of uh, seven shows I've uh, I've seen. Um, certainly, the most intimate and you know, in some ways, uh, craziest one. And of course, that inspired us enough. You oh, know, and that Bob one. And I were so already, real quick, that that show you said that was one where mm-hmm. so they didn't use the backing tracks; they just did the metronome. They, I remember the metronome. I, I assume there were also uh, backing tracks. I, I don't have enough of a <laughs> 34 yeah, years, 33 yeah. years, man. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely, I mean, obviously the striking thing, are, you know, was the, was the stick and the variety of horns and uh, the metronome itself. So, uh, yeah, I imagine there was also tape backing or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the whole the whole stripped down nature. Not that I'd seen a ton of concerts at that point yet, but, of course, it's not, like nothing I'd ever experienced. And, uh, you know, of course it just blew me away that you could just basically sort of like walking off the street, you know, plug in your guitar and just play a bunch of awesome songs and make people laugh and, you know, just entertain the heck out of it. I'll tell you, you're, you're in a small number of guests that saw them in the duo era. I've had a a fair amount of fans on who were into them pre flood, though that's getting more and more rare. I mean, it's just a testament to the band that they continue to, gain fans through you know the younger generations um who've only known them in the current you know quintet lineup but uh people that have known them but maybe didn't get out to a show right away or whatever and i'm trying to think i mean i mean this is going to be episode what two uh, 211 and while there have been some repeat guests in there i mean between patreon episode guests and regular guests i've had at least 200 different people on the show mm-hmm. and i want to say it's maybe 10 or less that actually saw them live mm-hmm. in the duo uh era so you got like a you know a gold star for that one that man that's a man yeah. i would kill and to then, see them like that and then they're taking off i mean the floods hitting and it's a major release so by that fall i want to say saw them again and by that time not a duo anymore so i i you know my first two shows that really sort of broached the uh the goal yeah. from you know not not novelty duo the way they do now which is awesome but you know <laughs> truly we don't have a band yeah. to hey let's get together a band uh, as long as we're going to tour for you know like forever uh tour flood for for uh, wherever so i mean yeah i actually just a matter of it's like about six months later saw them by that time they were fleshed down in, in band form bigger venue and I'm sure just you know, still rocking it. Less of a delay. Didn't get the center to the stage. So though. was that in uh, Dallas as well? Yes, the Arcadia, which, of Arcadia. course, uh, again, didn't sit on the stage. But, of course, not long after that, uh, went up in flames. doesn't exist anymore. But that was a beautiful that was a beautiful venue. There's so many, so many pretty ones. But uh, that was a great one. Uh, so, yeah, that was interesting, you know, sort of to, to piggyback on what you just said, that I got to actually sort of bridge you know, that transition yeah. in just a matter of, of months because pretty much uh, for a while there, I mean, through the nineties, whenever they were in town, I pretty much see them. So yeah. And you said you've seen them how, many, good how many times? 
Seven, Sometimes. which doesn't, I guess it doesn't sound like much, but I think that's the most for me for any. any yeah, so. I mean, for, for people in New York, it's, they've got it easy. Uh, yeah, no you know, I mean, they could skip shows and be like, oh, I'll see him again next uh-huh. month or I'll see him again tomorrow or whatever. But And then they hear an accordion. They realize they're just downstairs yeah. playing in their living room. We'll say, well, <laughs> let you guys in. <laughs> Flansbury's like, what are you doing in my apartment? Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the most recent you've seen them? Well, way back. Oh, gosh. Let's do math. Uh, no, I don't want to do math. Uh, 98. <laughs> oh okay all right okay uh so you have not seen them in the current lineup i guess you would have probably caught them maybe with the 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 dans at least i don't know if you would remember dan think... miller and danny weinkoff were in the band oh. yet but uh it would be another five six years before marty joined the drums been, yeah it would have been severe tire damage yeah. uh touring so However, that wrangled out. I mean, I remember the yeah, I remember some of the transition of the lineup, yeah. but yeah, maybe not uh, as it is. And and uh, trust me, I'm, I'm in I'm in Florida, so I mean, trust me, I was I'm tempted to see the the shows coming up this spring. I'm just it makes me a concert poser at this point. I'm just I'm not quite comfortable there yet. But I mean, I'm I mean, I, I don't I don't plan on never seeing them again. Yeah, yeah. So you, I'm I'm assuming you grew up in Chicago, though, right? Yes. yes, you're not wrong there. You're not crazy to think that I decided to run a Chicago White Sox site for five years growing up in Florida. That that would actually be pretty weird, uh, even weirder <laughs> than if you did it growing up in Chicago. Uh, forgive me, White Sox. But uh, yes, yes, uh, uh, moved to Florida uh, just a few years back. But yes, yeah, spent my whole life aside from a little, uh, as, as I've already previewed, uh, um, uh, down in Texas for school. But otherwise, yeah, always, always Chicago, so. Yeah, those those were the venues I saw often. Although you know, several different states. Uh, yeah, where, where, when when they came, I showed <laughs> up. So very nice, very nice. And uh, Team BG Music uh, played a part in inspiring you. You, you started talking about um, the band that you started. Yeah, you know Bob and I. You know the guy who introduced me to the the band and in whatever way maybe who knows maybe i was just pawing through his records i said hey this looks interesting i don't know um but i mean he certainly was a, a good fan and, and the you know a sharp guy a good sense of humor you sort of have to have that to be a fan or to be able to fully appreciate this band correct you know we're all very bright people and we're all fun people so um yeah they're uh, <laughs> you know their do-it-yourself approach which again we saw live in front of us uh at the club a show uh yeah inspired to say hey you know why don't why don't we do this you know and again when I first appreciated, you know, I saw how the band appeared, and I see, you, you see the novelty aspect. Maybe people still may, may come to the band this way. You see, not the novelty aspect, but you see the humor. The humor is certainly out front. Flansburg, in particular, you know, does not make any bones about the fact that, you know, this, this is just a funny guy. Yeah, uh, you know, you tend to, you know, not that I looked at They Might Be Giants as, you know, Weird Al or some or just some sort of novelty band, but you just the way I saw them live first, and and the story, the legend of you know the demo tape and these guys who play, you know, just you know, there's an accordion and uh, a st- he plays percussion with a stick, makes you think, okay, well, I can do this. I mean, it's certainly, I, and it actually took a while for me to realize, man, these guys actually, I mean, they clearly very much know what they're doing. They're they're accomplished musicians, not like me, for example, <laughs> who's just like trying and sort of like hammering on an instrument. Oh, made a sound cool. 
Uh, and, you know, Bob, um, my partner in this band that we uh, put together, uh, called duo, like they might be giants, called Ethnocentric Republicans. And, of course, <laughs> um, you know, tongue very firmly in cheek. Don't look up the Pink Floyd. Keep listening to this podcast. Look it up afterward. Uh, but, you know, that's what we did in the heart of Texas. And, yeah, the idea was, hey, it's a do-it-yourself. We we tried to steal dial song. We tried, you know, did it all. Come on, we weren't that original. Uh, but, you know, we made up uh, uh, fun songs. We, uh, we played, you know, we played some shows. Uh, it was just fun to play with him. He far surpassed me, probably natural, fell out of bed, a better musician than me. But, you know, I just tried to keep up. You know, I, I'm I'm at the lowest rung of musicians where I can actually feel uh, competent with the instrument. And the challenge for me is to say, okay, let me pair up with someone who will make me look a lot better. And then I'll just insert jokes when appropriate. Uh, <laughs> and that's sort of how it's worked out for me. Uh, so I've been able to ride the musician's coattails and just tried to contribute, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, a lyric or a chorus or yeah. something but yeah you know we uh uh you know we we, we hosted a couple uh, sort of like uh a campus concerts uh, we played uh in, in a few other venues and you know it's just a, a fun little thing to do so are there rec- are uh, there existing while. recordings there are existing recordings should we, we play uh, one we, we he, <laughs> I, I trust me i i'm very happy to to send some along there's that's not unlistenable i mean the 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 you know we've got uh we got shrimp fried rice. We got uh, Bob's truck. We got some things are better left undead. We got drive by shooting at the Wendy's. Yeah, we got a lot of crazy. Uh, <laughs> we uh, should crazy totally play one. All right, really pass something on. you'll hey, have to send it hey, over. So I have know? no idea what we're about to hear. <laughs> What's your in for? Yeah, what? Uh, okay, so set us up for a song, and then I'll I'll have to put it in later. <laughs> What's what song? Fair what do enough. you think? This would probably be this would this would be a song written in the very room we heard Flood for the first time, which would be my dorm room at uh, TCU. Uh, we it was raining. We saw a, a guy chasing after a skunk. We thought that was going to be a, a scary thing for him, and we were shouting at him to not do that because I think he probably had had a few beverages. Uh, so this uh, this song you're about to hear, brief, uh, with uh, with actual drum machine, go nice. figure, uh, would be shrimp fried okay. rice. Okay. <laughs> Shrimp fried rice It can change your life Take a chance On shrimp fried rice Shrimp fried rice It's good advice Take a chance Hold the dice On shrimp fried rice Don't end Chasing after a skunk, and not running away from a skunk, but running to after a skunk. Absolutely, yeah, ill-advised. <laughs> <laughs> and then some, uh, some they might be giants music also uh, uh, factored in big in a major uh, life moment for you, c- correct? Very good. A mere uh, oh gosh, a mere handful of years later, yes, I found myself in position to be married. And go figure, I did not really 
there was no plan to make this was not supposed to be like a they might be giants themed wedding <laughs> uh for all i know we weren't i don't even know how we determined our playlist but i do know and my wife and I, my wife Angelique and I, were, were sort of heavy-handed when it came to it because we didn't really want to have to drift into the Brian Adams and the stuff that the DJs is going to come up with that we didn't want to hear at yeah. our wedding. We figured, you know what, we're both into music enough. Let's uh, be dictatorial about this. And so basically, yeah, I gave our DJ, I mean, it was, I guess essentially be an iPod wedding before there maybe <laughs> was or you know, really started happening. You guys said, this is what you're playing. <laughs> and yeah, we did, have, uh, we did have a couple They Might Be Giants uh, songs in there, including one that factors very closely to our uh, podcast topic here. But we also wanted to have a conga line song. The only one I could really think of was No One Knows mm. My Plan. So this is a very, not just They Might Be Giants, a very factory showroom <laughs> heavy go yeah. figure i guess we should have uh um had a had a merch table or something <laughs> for the factory showroom <sighs> tour because it turned out to factor uh, pretty heavily the uh the conga line uh no one knows my client was a huge hit i think it got pretty much everybody up off their seats and uh you know 100 or 110 person conga line which was uh certainly fun and uh, nice and then a little uh XCXXY, which my wife spontaneously turned into quite a uh, uh, quite a dance number, uh, cleared the dance floor and uh, made everybody hoot and holler. Which you know, <laughs> you come to wedding for right? Hoot and holler at the bride. So uh, uh, that's what happened. But uh, yeah, go figure. I, I didn't realize that it was going to happen that way, but but it did. Yeah, that's incredible. Very nice. And and you guys have been married for did you say twenty five years now? Oh, we've passed 25. Okay, man, I really didn't know there was going to be math with this. It will be, uh, yeah, yeah, 26, 26 this summer. So, yeah, we are 25 wow. years old. Wow, very nice. And she has accompanied me to several shows, of course, and uh, been a great sport about it. Certainly didn't roll out of bed as a They Might Be Giants fan, but uh, can appreciate them and enjoy. We've seen the, I call them the contrived duo shows, but the ones where they actually say, hey, we're doing two sets. One's going to be, you know, do I know they still do now. And then a second set with full band, we certainly saw that, which was a thrill for me because it was, you know, sort of like a throwback. Yeah. Say, hey, you know what? I saw, I saw them when they had no other choice. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just as I fun. Think, probably, I think they would probably say they were a duo by choice. They resisted it for a while. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm sure they yeah. had people offering. I'll tell you, Outdoor Valor, me and my wife started 11 years ago at this point, but for the past six no, past f- four years, we've had other uh, people in the band with us. But during that duo era, we would have people come up and be like, hey, you guys need a drummer? I'm like, no, no, we're good. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> the drummer is me. Yeah. Like, it was my, like, it wasn't a drum machine. Yeah. Like, it was me drumming on the backing tracks. Again, it was right. that, like, total control. It was wanting that control. And Ooh. I think that's a lot of what sure. the, the Johns were holding on to at first they were worried that yeah, other that people sense. would of course yeah. you know they were such like a one-minded uh beast the two the two johns and uh mm. the, just wanted that complete control but uh turns out they liked having a band because uh it's been it's been a minute now and yeah it has. and yeah and, and the current five piece has been going for nearly 20 years at this point yeah 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 that's the band mm-hmm yeah, well, I hope you get to see them. Um, I know they are they are doing some Florida dates, right? Did you say they're? Yeah, yeah. they are. They are. They're playing three, four, uh, three, four city. And I got to say, I'm so you know, again, makes me weak, but um, yeah, it's just still not in the climate of today. Still not super comfortable with it. But I, you know, I know I will, and mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, probably a combination of venues because the venues they're playing are they're, they're definitely throwback venues. Uh, I mean, not that there are a lot of uh, super suitable venues in Florida, <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, I mean, the ones it's just not. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Not exactly at an age where I need to be sitting in the um, the cheap seats or even the expensive seats where you're just rattling rattling your your jewelry and politely clapping and sitting down. But <laughs> mm, I'm not sure I want to get kicked in the head uh, with you know. Oh, slam dances. Uh, I don't either, think you so. need to worry about that. And then, of course, <laughs> mask, a mask, or whatever. So yeah, yeah actually, I mean, the, a, the the Johns have been pretty. Uh, they've been polite about it, but they are requesting people to wear masks mm-hmm. at their shows still. And even though yeah. you live in a pretty conservative state, I would say the fan base of They Might Be Giants is still yes. going to skew more uh, liberal and uh, willing to comply with a mask, mask request. Yes. So, Agreed. yeah. Because they want to keep on touring. They don't want to get sick. They want, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. They keep saying another wave's coming. I know I, my daughter's daycare just instituted masks again for older kids and and adults because of a couple cases. But I don't know. This is just kind of the way things are now, I think. You know, yeah, just I every know. year getting COVID shots with the flu shots, too. Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah. Anywho... White Sox pandemic, man, this is this is a rollicking one so far. <laughs> but hey, there are also weddings and duo shows, so you know we already had some highlights. There was uh, back and forth about what song. You, there was a major debate within your own head over what song to pick, and you, being a guy who knows the deep cuts, has known them for a long time. You ended up picking a song that I think a lot of fans. Uh, didn't even know existed on the album it was first placed on. And uh, we're talking, of course, about Token Back to Brooklyn. Uh, and it was tucked away at track zero on Factory Showroom. When you first got Factory Showroom, I'm assuming this is firmly the CD era, era. I'm assuming you got it on CD. Yes. Did you know that it was on there and follow-up were you able to find it <laughs> no i didn't know it was on there uh but somehow through you know the, the scuttle out there i don't know what the what era this would be if we're still maybe in like usenet group talk or whatever i mean i had you know i'd sort of been on that for a few years already mm-hmm. uh somehow word got out but no uh, definitely not unless i didn't pop it in the player and suddenly a track zero came up which i don't i don't know if any cd player does mm-hmm, but I, I yeah so. i had no clue um and then who knows it might have been you know i was still back getting like the they might be giants um like catalogs uh you know they had those really detailed let me see i'm gonna grab one here for this non-visual podcast oh, here. but i mean you, you know the, fan club stuff like, from like this type of thing oh man and 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 so may i'm not saying i mean here it is right here like you know the factory showroom you know thing so i mean i i'm not saying that i they gave like tips but somehow yes i i, I did get enough word to say okay so you rewind it yeah i think at that point i was just rewinding so you hear the first and then you're like oh okay there's silence and then you start playing the the track so yeah i did eventually yeah uh, uh, unearth it and i think about that time there may have even been some like fan tapes or fan cds circulating where that was like maybe or maybe that was just some other version of the song but i mean it it had come out enough as a separate track when you say oh this is the thing that's on there and now they've blown me away once again with their cleverness by putting a hidden track 
on the front end of the CD instead of the back end. What what is wrong with these guys? <laughs> How come I'm not as clever and funny as they are? I'm I'm having an inferiority complex now. Uh, but that said, yeah, it definitely did eventually unearth the song. Yeah. And um, to you know, briefly uh, hop back to the wedding, I did have to definitely make a note to the DJ for SEXXY to say, listen, may, I don't know if when you start playing this, because I just brought a big box of CDs, too. I mean, he didn't have it. Like, I didn't, I didn't give him an iPod. I gave yeah. him, like, my CDs and this is what you're playing. Yeah. Uh, but I said, listen, I don't know, on your equipment, maybe it's going to start with zero, so just Keep, keep in mind, there's this sort of, tri- you know, I had to give him this weird detailed plan to not play that song because I don't think that's necessarily going to, you know, get people out on the dance floor, um, you know, as if S-E-X-X-Y was going to because everybody was probably scratching their heads. But, yeah, I did not want to – I did not really want to play Token Back to Brooklyn, uh, whatever the merits of the song. I did not yeah, really I don't know if that, that would get the – wedding playlist. I don't know if that would get the uh, so people out on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, way back when on TMBG.com, uh, Flansburg was talking about Factory Sherm, and uh, he says here, quote, I read a review of a Willie Nelson album where an advanced cassette sent to a reviewer included his secret message to his fans at the top of the tape. I had heard of the endless song secret message at the end of CDs, but that never seemed too secret, but this sounded like something else. We inquired with some mastering engineers... And after a bit of discussion, figured out that there is a number zero track before track one that is automatically skipped over by your machine, but can hold a song's worth of information. This is also where uh, CD-ROM format information is held, so we advise against slipping our CDs into your computer. <laughs> <laughs> Though I know I've put Factory Showroom into my computer, and but yeah, when you rip it uh, to MP3, token's not there. Yeah. It's not there, yeah, and and they they hit it so well. Yeah, there's another thing on uh, when they put out, they got lost. Appropriately enough, they had to put out a compilation to be like, uh, yeah, we're so into deep cuts, but we actually want you to hear these songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they right. put token on you should actually hear yeah, it one day. That they put token on that, and Flans says a quote on the the website there. He says. This is actually a hidden track on one of our albums, but I'm not going to tell you how or where it is hidden. And this is, and, and They Got Lost came out in 2002, so this is even six years later. He's still like, I'm not telling you where it is. <laughs> and they put it on Long Tall Weekend, too, in 99. So they're, they're like, they're like, hey, we got this sneaky thing. Oh, too sneaky. We actually want people to hear this song. Let's release it two more times. You want to be hardcore, you want to be legit, you want to be original. You've got to listen to it. Find out a way to listen to it on one of our earlier legit releases. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, going to hi- I'm going to hide that information from you, all these guys. And, you know, and I know it's might be a t- it might be an offshoot of this um, discussion at some point, but uh, I sort of, after that, stopped paying attention to the hidden tracks, which, of course, usually came uh, uh, at the end of the proper release but i mean i'm not sure if they actually just sort of like killed the hidden track thing but i mean for me they sort of did after that when you do a hidden track at the start of the season, it's like what? why do hidden tracks anymore so for, for me you know they sort of just t- i know people probably still do it on releases but uh yeah, not nearly you know, as much like, i think the most you know i mean that was such a huge huge trend when the t- technology came out and they'd already fussed with it with with fingertips so i mean now you know that was sort of the mic drop for me at least where it's like all right well i'm you know if no one ever does one again that's good because now someone did track zero what, what more do i need to hear there is only one other track zero that i know about 
and it's a Florida band called Less Than Jake. Are you familiar with Less Than Jake? Oh, I certainly know, certainly know the name. Certainly yes. Do. Uh, their album, also 1996, uh, Losing Streak, uh, has uh, right right at the beginning for the first song, it has a little a little clip that <laughs> this is Howie J Reynolds or this is the old dude Howie J Reynolds and you're listening to Less Than Jake and you can see on the the spread on the inside of the CD booklet there's this old guy crowd surfing he was like a famous <laughs> fan of the band and they wow. had I think they even had a contest I don't know what you would win but it was kind of like the same thing Flans was doing where they're like if you can find the the secret message in this song, you know, we'll give you whatever. And yeah, and it was a track zero and you rewind like a couple minutes and that this is the old dude, how J Reynolds, that's just the tail end of this whole story. He tells this whole story about God, I want to say it's about like, he was like the other dude, uh, with some woman who was cheating on her man and like the man shows up and he gets run out of this place naked and it's like telling this story. And it's ridiculous. And then and and that was the hidden track. So it wasn't it wasn't a song, but it was a um a scandalous tale of this this old dude in his younger days. And in the same year, so somebody left like the notes from the the either the Giants conversation or the lesson somebody left some notes on a table and they said, Hey, you know what? I think we're gonna do this too. How about that? That's too much of a coincidence to have it happen in the same mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um I know you were, yeah, I'm, I'm all up for talking about some hidden tracks because the 90s were the, they were the era of of the hidden track. I'm trying to think of the most recent one. I've, I don't know, I feel like I heard some in the early 2000s. Like, I know, I don't know if you know Coheed and Cambria, but I know they had like a bunch of blank tracks or like three second tracks right. or something that just had nothing on them until it got up to track 23. I know know there were some other bands that would be like, well, you can't do (laughs) three-digit tracks, but we'll make the secret track a track 99 or whatever. Yeah, um, (laughs) uh, Kerosene Hat Cracker has, I think, three hidden. So it does that thing where it's like a bunch of zeros, and then I think there's a a hot track 69. But yeah, I think they get all the way up to, uh, I think Euro Trash Girl is, is track 69. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I think, yeah, the very last one is, is probably, it's probably 99. Yeah. So I, I know that was the most, certainly the most involved of the hidden tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can go back to, uh, even like, uh, Sergeant Pepper album with the run out groove uh, noise. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess technically sort of being that or, or her majesty as well. I yeah. Guess. Her so majesty is one that's mentioned on, uh, I mean, if you look up hidden track on Wikipedia, I'm like, let's just see what they say. And, and, and her majesty is the one they mention. Um, but what what they say is the, is the first in the CD era to really kick off the craze was just like kicking off so many other things. Nirvana on yeah. Nevermind, yeah, endless, yeah. nameless at the end of yeah. Nevermind. Incredible, just like angry, sludgy song, which <laughs> I always thought was just an insane song. And then I went and and looked up a little bit. Apparently, um, that was just the tape kept rolling after they did a take of lithium that they didn't like like i guess mm-hmm. Cobain was like upset about them fucking up the tape or something and they mm-hmm. just winged it that thing was just like a jam and at the end you can hear the guitar get all crazy and a bunch of feedback and stuff like that apparently he actually smashed his guitar in the, in the oh, studio yeah. 
And because you do hear some kind of like, like some kind of like real jarring oh, yeah. noises. Oh, it's noise. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty crazy. I mean, a lot of people have been known to break their guitars on stage, but I don't know how many people have broken their guitar in studio. I know. But it's wild. At least one time listening to Nevermind, I just sort of went to sleep on the fact that the, the CD was still playing and then got extremely <laughs> jarred out of whatever reverie I was in after having listened to Nest uh, by that track because yeah, you know, but, but a lot of the ones I've thought, uh, you know, thought up are they're actually really good. So it's interesting that some of these get so buried. I mean, the endless nameless is, is, you know, it's certainly on brand, certainly not the best, you know, Nirvana song. And maybe none of these are, but I mean, I think though it kind of songs. ushers in the, like with the, like kind of hints foreshadowing of the in utero, noisiness oh, yeah. to come so oh, yeah. so that's 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 kind of cool that's true yeah. that's yeah. true so what are what are some of your favorites the most recent one i remember and can think of and i mean it's not recent in the in the least but uh beck had a few uh i know uh, deborah is on uh, midnight he's sort of like i don't know prince you know, prince pastiche or whatever um which is a very entertaining song uh on um uh midnight vultures uh and then i think um sea change has i mean i think most of his there's for a while uh had them um urge overkill uh saturation as a, as a chicagoan uh as a as an illinoisan um an album dear to my heart has uh heaven 90210 or whatever it mm-hmm. is that's a really cool yeah. song and i think also another noisy one so i guess they were doing the cracker thing where they were doing one more than yeah. one um uh, uh, yeah, Camp has uh, that's this crazy "Let It All Hang Out" uh, song at the end of uh, uh, "Shoot Big Daddy," mm. uh, which was it's a cover, but then it was such a short cover that he like added verses to it at the end. That's a pretty cool like '60s throwback uh, oh, Motown of, uh, tune. Uh, the Crowded House, Woodface, another album I really really love has uh, "I'm Still Here" because 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 sort of it's not too hidden, but it sort of fades out, and then they just sort of come back and say. <laughs> That's the song. Yeah. They're still here. They're still singing. They're still producing a song. We're still playing uh, here. You know, Euro Trash Girl Cracker. I, I just love. I love that. Yeah. I love David oh, Lowry. Some cleverness that, that puts me up. Uh, you know, um, one of my very favorite songwriters, along with you know, of course, along with the Johns. I just love the the humor and even the cleverness. I know people tend to not really appreciate cleverness because they think it's you know like thin or cheap or something. And as a as what I consider to be a clever writer myself, that being my strength, um, you know, that's probably a wrong thing to say. But sure. um, I mean, if I got something going for me, it's that. And it's like, hey, no, you know, there, there's something to that. And the, the, the people who you want to get it usually get mm-hmm. it. And that's that's all yeah. I really, uh, care about landing with. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, I guess sort of for I mean, I, I was wasn't alive for Beatles releases, but I was alive for class releases. So Train in Vain certainly uh, jumps out as one is like, oh, wow you can do this hold on wait you can like start a song up sort of at the end of a record yeah. so uh that always sort of delighted me and again just a kick-ass song so i mean it's like jeez yeah. <laughs> wow what? man so, so there, there's two uh, from my youth that uh or my my coming of age i suppose in the 90s that that jumped to mind immediately uh now stone temple pilots were the first band i ever saw live uh and on their second album purple which I, they they got sh- so much shit back in the day but purple is yeah. a masterpiece and it has on the the back of the cd it says 12 gracious melodies but there's only 11 songs on the album <laughs> at least is what you know you think 
But then, <laughs> but then it gets uh, track eleven. That that song finishes. Uh, what's it called? Uh, kitchen, kitchenware and candy bars is the name of the song. Yeah, and then like three minutes later kicks into a song that I didn't even know was called my second album. I always, I always called it 12 gracious melodies because that is a prominent lyric in the song. And I also had thought it was just Scott Weiland, like doing a crooner voice, but apparently it's some other guy named Richard, Richard Peterson who really likes Johnny Mathis so much that he mentions him in the song, but it's this loungy song, like secret tracks that kind of become like a place to like just joke around mm-hmm. <laughs> and, sure. and some tunnel pilots for the most part were pretty s- serious with their uh lyrics they weren't a, a jokey band but they put this lounge song on the end of this album with just horns and like these cheesy synths and yeah our second album 12 gracious melodies <laughs> to listen hope you enjoy them i just thought it was the funniest thing so- Something tells me I've heard that. It seems very, very familiar. So <laughs> it's a, it's I, I, little, I think you're stoking my memory. It's well. a great little goofy song. But I think probably my favorite, and get, just this was a crucial album in my uh, forming my musical identity, the secret track on Green Day's Dookie, which Ooh. is called All By Myself. Do you know All By Myself? I do. Okay, yeah. So, so Tranquil, a, a, a big drumming inspiration for young me and probably the reason I hit the crash symbols too often um, (laughs) (laughs) takes the lead on this one. And it's a song appropriately enough for green day about uh, jerking off. (laughs) (laughs) I was all by myself. (laughs) And what uh, was, um, I was the line I was thinking of. Uh, you and me had such wonderful times (laughs) when I'm all by myself. (laughs) And you can hear like laughing in the background, sure. like the like uh, Billy Joe and, and Mike Durant. They're probably just like cracking up at this goofy song. It's uh, yeah. Those so th- those were the t- the three big ones for me would be the mm-hmm. yeah Nirvana, Green Day, and uh, Stone Temple Pilots, which were three huge albums for me when I was uh, mm, yeah middle yeah middle school yeah crazy. So yeah, the secret track, but only that one other track zero that I know about. That's crazy. Just yeah. one song that is a track zero. How about that? I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I didn't even bother to really. Uh, well, wouldn't you know? List of albums containing mm-hmm. a hidden track zero. Um, oh, no, 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 no. I put in zero. Why is it saying, oh, I don't want to know about Oasis hidden tracks. That's mm-hmm. not what I mean. That's an entirely different podcast and one I'm probably not going to be on. Tracks hidden in the pre-gap. Is that what they mean? The pre-gap. Hmm. Well, this... Is this what's over here? Because we got a lot of... There's a lot of stuff here. Does it have the MIP Giants? Because if they don't... Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot more track zeros than I thought. Apparently a band called Soul Wax did it like eight times. (laughs) <laughs> boy they're really annoying the fan base that's a whole album's worth of zero tracks that you can't access sure okay apparently the offspring did it on americana but it was just a reprise of pretty fly okay is that song worth having on your album twice <laughs> oh uh, how did i forget about this one uh monopuff did it on it's fun to steal 
Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's like an That's introduction true. scat right. kind of right. thing. Yeah, I don't know. Not as much of a song, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's less than Jake. Okay, so there were a lot. Corn's done it. Uh, Harvey Danger's done it. Fallout Boy's done it. Yeah. Okay, more common than I thought, but uh, yeah, only the. the it's the, safe to say yeah. no one's done it as well. It, no one has done it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the song then. Uh, it's it's an odd little song. Um. It's it's got just such a weird vibe to it. I mean, wh- what what does this song kind of evoke for you? It's it's got a weird atmospheric kind of feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 on the like the legit factory showroom track. It's it's just sort of like uh, it's like a very slow motion drive by. It's got that drone to it. Uh, when you introduce you know the concept of like the demo or maybe how the song was originally conceived that had just a couple other elements that, that, that certainly evoked more of, I think that Flansburg saying that, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of nightmarish kind of thing. Well, I, yeah, I yeah. You know, we should go ahead and play that too. Cause we've already, I mean, people who didn't know token, even listening to this episode. I mean, I guess that's possible. I played that during the introduction. Let's, let's, let's play the uh, dial a song version, which to me, other than the initial getaway, which apparently on Power Dial Song it was labeled as getaway, those sound kind of scary. But then, to me, the song sounds a little more cheery than what it ended up being, but uh, folks can decide for themselves. So here's the Dial Song version of, uh, it was called Subway Token to Brooklyn. <laughs> so here's that. about that little it's like kind of a playful little synth sound like and it mm-hmm. goes through like the whole melody before he even starts singing yeah yeah it seems almost more like uh, i don't want to say complete song but i mean there, there's there's some more dimension to it than than again maybe a little bit more of a slow drive-by um aspect of the of the finished i guess the, the final track and to me having heard you know and i don't think I don't know if it was is you that cued me to it, or maybe when we first discussed this, I did actually look it up on my own before you'd maybe uh, sent it to me to make sure I'd heard it. But you know, when I heard it, I thought, "Oh, wait, now hold on, this is giving me a little bit more appreciation for the song, as it always does, whether you like the demo more or less. It always gives you, 
you know, it gives more dimension and context for the song. And in this case, I, I had a, a more favorable feel for the song, just realizing sort of where it came from. And, and of course, getting some of the backstory as well. But mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I, re- I mean, in a way, I sort of, I sort of wish that the, that the demo version was, was what they decided to squeeze on to, to track zero, but uh, it's nice to have both versions. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I love doing episodes uh, where it, like, I don't know if I've ever listened to the power of dial a song compilations one and two, they're like an hour and a half each. If I've listened to them like front to back, maybe I have at some point, but I love doing episodes with a, with a song that has uh, a dial a song. And I'm like, Oh man, I don't know if I'd ever bothered to dig into that yet. That's what the show, you know, prods me to do and it's just so cool to hear a song like this uh just so just the 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 journey that the song has Mm -hmm. taken you know and while the dialogue song one is like a very light kind of drum machine like kind of pitter patter in the background just he decided you know going into the studio version to really make it almost all drums like yeah. it is very drum focused, and what sounds to me like panned hard right and left, it mm-hmm. sounds like they tracked two different drum parts and then kept them both in there. And interestingly enough, the uh, soul coughing drummer, correct? Yes, the drummer soul coughing, Yuval Gebay. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Gabby Gebay, Yuval Gebay. That's what I'm going with, which is odd because, you know, Brian Doherty was the drummer for everything else on Factory Showroom. So I'm not sure why that ended up being that way. But, I mean, the, the, the drums are cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a ping-ponging effect if you are mm-hmm. uh, if you got headphones mm-hmm. on. And I'm assuming maybe that the effect that they were going for was that of a train. We're talking about the subway here token back to brooklyn i mean that's the kind of the vibe i get off of that clatter back and forth yeah like you're having a if you're having a dream about a train when you're trapped in the subway then that would maybe be what you're hearing yeah Yeah, and on the credits on the wiki all it has is is drums there with yuval gabay uh and then lead vocal john flansburg but there is some instrument or some sort of like resonating thing that almost sounds like it almost sounds like a mellow like steel drum or something it does it does right? absolutely i would i would i would have assumed that some steel drum was incorporated somehow because it absolutely sounds like that. Yeah. i don't know how if not playing that they got that effect but yeah yeah still coughing trick i don't know the only other thing i can think of would be is if they're using some studio trickery like there's some Things you can uh, use that, like reverbs and resonators and all these like plate reverbs and all this kind of stuff where you almost get like a metallic effect. And I guess if you put enough of that on there, it would almost sound like something metal is accompanying your vocal. Uh, So that would be my only other guess. Um, But again, I'm not sure if this... if. If this was recorded digitally or analog, I mean, in 96, it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Um, be a lot easier to do in the, the digital era to, to, to yeah. 
get some crazy effects going like that. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, the, the subway thing. Let's let's talk about the lyrics. Now, there's not a whole lot of lyrics here. It's short short song. Um, yeah, the token back to Brooklyn fell between the grating, and we're just watching it sinking. Now, again, this is already like an old school kind of thing because probably most people listening to this podcast like never use coins for anything in their life (laughs) for anything much less a subway yeah yeah right um yeah the fare went up to 100 dollars, and we can never go home again should we tell the people what this almost certainly uh is referencing i think so because it is a pretty direct reference for sure yeah so so the the narrator or the you know the person in this song they drop their money they lost their money and now they can't go home and be like that doesn't make sense it's just some funny they might be giants type thing you know like if you're already on the subway who cares you know you just get off um but way back in uh 1949 there was uh this guy named walter a o'brien who was running for mayor of boston and um, he had this song. Well, apparently there's this thing they had instituted exit fares off of the subway. So you would pay to get on the subway. And then wherever you got off, you would have to pay again at a gate getting off of the subway, which is nuts. Um, so the Jacqueline Steiner and Bess Lomax Hawks wrote a song called Charlie on the MTA. An absurd tale of a man named Charlie trapped on the subway system. So it's, it's it's the same story. He doesn't have enough money to get off the subway, so he just keeps on riding it. His his wife tries to meet him when he gets off, and he just goes on past. Um, <laughs> but the most the most famous version is by the Kingston Trio uh, a decade later, 1959. Uh, So let's let people hear a bit of this song. Well, let me tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day. He put ten cents in his pocket, kissed his wife and family, went to ride on the MTA. Well, did he ever return? No, he never returned, and his fate is still unlearned. He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston, he's the man who never returned. Charlie handed in his dime at the Kendall Square station, and he changed for Jamaica Plain. When he got there, the conductor told One more nickel, Charlie couldn't get off of that train But did he ever return? No, he never returned And his fate is still unlearned He may ride forever neath the streets of Boston He's the man who never returned Now all night long, Charlie rides through the station Crying, what will become of me? How can I afford to see my sister in Chelsea or my cousin in Roxbury? But did he ever return? No, he never returned. And his fate is now, were you already familiar with this song? No, no, I wasn't. I didn't know. I, I honestly did not know the backstory at all. The backstory is actually super cool, and it's you know it's like gone on even into this century. So I mean, 
Yeah. It obviously adds extra depth and dimension to the, to, 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 to plan sort of um, referencing it. Yeah. The, uh, the only reason I knew this song, I mean, again, I think it's, it's still kind of like a, 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 a proud Bostonian song of sorts. I mean, so much so that they're, when they went digital in 2004 with uh, cards instead of coins, they call them a Charlie card because of Charlie, which is I, which is pretty hilarious. They're, they're like, yeah. this this thing that was a critique of the subway system is now the mm-hmm. official subway payment system in uh, Boston. And um, I knew it because when I first started teaching music in 2003, um, the music textbook that I would pull some stuff from, uh, I think the fourth grade book had Charlie and the MTA song in the book. And these were kind of outdated books at the time. I don't know. I think they were printed in like the mid nineties or something, Mm -hmm. but still I I thought it was a funny song. The kids loved it. They thought it was just goofy. And, uh, so I actually knew this song, um, before I, I mean, I don't know if I would have really, quickly put together that like yeah. oh wait that they might be giant songs right. like like this too but yeah pretty pretty obviously a reference to charlie and the mta stuck on the subway can't get back to brooklyn <laughs> and then perusing my best friend and yours uh wikipedia as well looks uh, like a, another connection here is malcolm in the middle uh, apparently brian cranston sang the song uh with his I didn't remember him having a bluegrass group, but I guess on the, on the show he had a bluegrass group. So what? go figure. Okay. Let me. <laughs> yeah, on YouTube, it's listed as Malcolm in the Middle, Gentleman Callers, MTA, parentheses, Hell Goes Crazy. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Which the, the, the Kingston Trio one has like this kind of somber spoken word introduction mm-hmm. it's very kind of serious um <laughs> these are the times that try men's yeah. souls in the course yeah. of our nation's history the people of boston have rallied bravely whenever the rights of men and then, and then it gets in the song the song and it's like never return i will never return i'm like okay <laughs> all right they right. <laughs> brighten it up <laughs> change the tone yeah yeah uh, token back to Brooklyn, I I think more, uh, <laughs> it, it treats it more as if so this was like a thing that really happened. This is serious, mm-hmm. right? Oh it's, yeah, hundred dollars. How are you gonna get out for? You don't got a hundred bucks. How are you gonna get out? Yeah, this guy's crap. seriously. But like the whole vibe of it is just spooky. It's not like this mm-hmm. toe tapping banjo in. Uh, the, <laughs> there's even a banjo solo in that one where. <laughs> I'm not sure which one of the guys is the banjo player. It's like, it says something like, it's kind of making my fingers hurt. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I got blisters on my fingers. (laughs) You're right. Oh, man. The bill collector's drinking lighter fluid and says he'll tell our parents, which on the dial-a-song was and claims he killed our parents. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Past tense. You say that's bouncier, but yeah, it's, it's some, some darker words <laughs> yeah. there. That's for sure. So they lightened up on that one a little bit. Um, lighter fluid. I don't even know what to make of that, really. Just maybe like breathing fire, some sort of like hellfire, satanic type 
reference. I don't know. I don't know. If can't, he, can't afford a beer proper to drink his way through the job. So right. get some NyQuil, man. Like, get some NyQuil like the NyQuil driver. There you go. Yeah. NyQuil subway driver. Uh, yeah. Our feet start running at a furious pace, but we can't get away. Um, I, like running down. Well, well, the thing about this one is it, it's like he's not on the train. Yeah, it's right. I don't know. There's like some mixed things in here that make it kind of confusing because mm-hmm. what grading would be if you're already on the train, mm-hmm. where's the token falling? Yeah, it's like you fumbled your coins before you even got on. Right. And, uh, what, you're just speculating on the horror of not having enough money to get off. Uh, yeah, it does seem to be uh, – yeah, not 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 uh, the narrative doesn't seem to necessarily have an A, B, and C or a, a dramatic arc here. Uh, yeah, because he lost his money before he even got to the turnstile. Yeah, I guess I guess so. Yeah, because running it makes it seem like they're not on the train. I guess you could run down the aisle of a train, but at a furious pace. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just supposed to be kind of like a dream, you know, kind of like one of those bad dreams where it's like it doesn't necessarily make sense, but you're still terrified. Kind of get that Seems about right. dreamy vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this song has been, it was only played live once. And I r- tapped into all my sources. No one thinks that there is an existing recording of it, unfortunately. Um, but... There was a factory showroom themed show in 2008. I mean, it was well in the era that there could have been someone, you know, making a bootleg or something, but does not seem to exist. No one thought to tape that show, but they did it once. At least once. 23 people were there. Yeah. But none of them had a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, 23 Wikians, at least. I, I would All hope right. that there are more people than that there. But, uh, I mean, they've done factory showroom themed shows since. I'm positive i'm not quite sure why they're doing one in 2008 on the uh 12th anniversary of the album but um it's surprising the that casino they... specifically requested yeah. just the factory showroom yeah like in 2016 we'll pay you double in 2016 did they do any factory showroom 20th anniversary ones or what i mean it seems like they should bust out token for something i mean especially if it's just like Marty going and Flans doing the lyrics. Doesn't seem like it's even that much for them to have to rehearse, you know, to just throw it in. Yeah, and you would think there would be plenty of room for extemporaneous, you know, you know, lyric work to, you know, to change it up. It strikes me as a song. I mean, I'm sure you have all this, you know, at the flick of a wrist, but it's it's always sort of struck me a bit parallel to the, although under very different recording circumstances, the... Uh, I can hear you, uh, and you know I'm I assuming yeah. that's been played more than once, and and you know it seems like similar enough types of, of very strange short um, s- songs. So it, I, I'm very surprised to hear that it basically essentially has never been played. That's uh, yeah. just just think like just nothing else for a technical breakdown. You might decide to just acoustic the token, you know, out there just while somebody's reattaching a cymbal or. Keyboards getting plugged back in. I don't know. Right. I can hear you. It's been played 16 times, by the way. And I know the very least on that, I did that song within the first year of the podcast, but I know for sure we at least played, uh, they played it on the Millennium Special of the Daily Show. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so no live version to play. Um, let's see. Is there anything else we're missing before we get to the um, covers section? This song is ranked 698 out of 910. <laughs> Ouch. Poor token back to Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know. Um, before we move on to the cover section, is there anything else you'd like to touch on musically or lyrically there? I don't know what you say. Short song, so yeah. it's tough to dig too much in. As it is, we've basically written a thesis about it. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I, I guess the only other small thing to touch on is if, if anyone cares uh flans also changed the key signature of the song it, unless unless the dial a song version sounds weirder because of a tape being slowed down because mm-hmm. it's a half step lower which mm-hmm. so uh, on the wiki that has it tabbed out as being in b uh instead of in c but that very well could be just the tape getting slowed down to the c dropping to a b um, it it is a pretty you know for being such a short song a pretty interesting uh, chord progression which I mean you can hear a chord progression on the demo but I'm I'm confused as to how someone even tabbed out a guitar part I mean not only that there's no guitar but there's no chording instruments on the song right. yeah, so how are you coming up with it the the melody or lack thereof yeah. I guess yeah 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 chords that the the, the melody would fit into you know i mean it's pretty solidly in c but they do have um like there's d minors which would be in the key is you got a, a couple d majors that uh that creep up so i don't know still some still some interesting chord things that are going on even in this little tiny tiny little tiny little flan song yeah there truly aren't any throwaways there truly are not yeah, I mean, they didn't think it was, it was such a throwaway that they re, they put it on three re- releases. So. And kept teasing. Yeah. Like, like, hey, it's a secret track. Oh, wait, we'll put it on Long Tall Weekend. Oh, wait, not enough people knew how to download an album then. Okay, we'll put it on. They got lost. So, All righty. Uh, let's move to the cover section then. And once again, it is a song... That would likely have no covers if I hadn't willed it into existence. Now, uh, the the uh, Facebook group they might be shitposting, TMBS, has done some tribute albums and stuff like that. And they kind of did a token, uh, not really cover, it's more of an homage to Charlie than anything. There's an mm-hmm. intro on the Factory Showroom uh, covers compilation that they put out um, last year, or two years ago, no, a year and a half ago, um, that the intro is just like, um, it's basically the spoken part of that Charlie that I was talking about, the really serious thing, but just like real lo-fi. And that's like the intro to the album rather than an actual cover of the, the Amount of Giants talking back to Brooklyn. It's just like a kind of like messed up homage to, to Charlie. And no one actually covers the song. But two people in the TMBP covers crew have covered it for us. And one, we can always count on Noah Daniel. Uh, so I'm going to drop that in right here. Let's hear Noah Daniel cover uh, Token Back to Brooklyn. Get away, get away. The 
back to Brooklyn fell between the grating And we're just watching it sinking The fare went up to one hundred dollars And we can never go home again The bill collector's drinking lighter fluid And says he'll kill our parents Our feet start running at a furious pace But we can't get away I guess you could say technically he covers Subway Token back to Brooklyn. It's true. Because he gives it the getaway with like this flanger effect on it. And he also says uh, that they claimed he killed our parents lyric. How can you not? I mean, if that's really your choice, I mean, I can see that being the easy choice. Just more dimension, more spooky. Yeah. Yeah. More threat of murder. Yeah, right. <laughs> What'd you think of Nose Cover? Oh, I liked it. I mean, you know, uh, you're only going to depart. I, I suppose you're only going to depart so much. I mean, that I guess that's a challenge. Everyone else wants to still do a talking back to Brooklyn cover for for the 20th anniversary show yeah. that we'll do. <laughs> I think it's actually out of the major leagues entirely. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, faithful. But no, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed you sharing that with me because uh, no, that, that was I was really impressed. And I'd say, like, I, I love the accordion. Noah is uh, a great accordionist. And, again, kind of leaning more on the dial song than the original, you're getting chords, you know. There's actually, you know, he's filling it out more. Um, mm-hmm. So it is cool kind of hear it sound more like a proper song and less like a vibey kind of nightmare thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which has its place, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then our next cover is by good friend Averin Keating. And let's check this one out. So this, I would say, is more of a, more akin to the proper factory showroom vibe. You know, a little more right. spooky, a little more drum heavy. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it's more. Yeah, I guess you could say more faithful um, to that. And, and, and go figure. You get two. You drum up two covers. Well done, by the way. And they both managed, yeah, really, to, you know, evoke the two versions uh, we know. And, again, that was a lot of fun to listen to. And, you know, beyond the fact you're pinching yourself saying, oh, look, there's a cover of this song that I didn't even know existed when I first got the album. Uh, Yeah, it's just, it's 
it's fun to hear and it's remarkable the talent of people who appreciate this band as well i mean that's yeah. certainly worth saying because it's, it's sort of almost untapped you know this will be going on for a long long after we're talking about this song here on this podcast that people are going to be picking up they might be giant songs and covering them even yeah. ones as as curious as this mm-hmm. yeah though though for a song that is you know 25 years old ish i don't do math it's old um for it to really these these are the only two covers in existence and they've come into existence in the past uh six months so i, I mean this but these are the you know the real team bg heads of course i mean you know i like well i'm not gonna cover the studio one i'm gonna cover the dialogue song you know <laughs> but that's an alt version i love it yeah yeah mm-hmm. um I had wanted to do a cover of the dial a song or the demo of four of two. I don't know if you've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, the much darker version of the kids song, but, so, but sometimes it is, is fun to tap into the, um, to really flex your, your fandom knowledge. Yeah. And, sure. uh, and, and, and both of these covers, both Noah and Avery, it's like, you know, super creative, go figure, you know, super fans of a creative band get mm-hmm. really creative with their covers, you know? There, there's rarely, uh, well, I would say there's there's never a boring cover cranked out from my uh, covers crew of of friends, and I appreciate them coming to our rescue to give us <laughs> covers content for the episodes uh, that have none otherwise. Yeah, this should just be dead tape otherwise. So good. Yeah, we just That's leave a big though. blank space here with nothing in it, and then. The rest of the episode would be considered a hidden track. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this episode should just have a big blank, like three minutes, and people are like, "Wait a minute!" They're like hitting their thirty second, thirty second, thirty second. They're like, "Where's the?" Re-? It shows there's more episode, but there's nothing here, and then just like boom, then we're talking again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, but, but you, like, you, I you, use a voice effect to like make it sound like Satan. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, you better put the disclaimer uh, when you release this one saying you got to rewind. If you want to hear anything, you got to rewind on this one. Figure Sorry. out figure, figure out how to out. do it on your computer. Yeah, how to go backwards past zero on your podcast device. <laughs> and you got people like looking in the settings on their phone. Like, I can't do it. Where is it? And I screwed up my phone completely just trying to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I broke my phone. It turns out. We were just fucking with him. Yeah. So, so the uh, the hidden track portion of this uh, episode is uh, us scoring this song. So you, sir, go first. Uh, zero to ten with decimals if needed. Scoring it within the Team BG canon. What are you going to give Token to Brooklyn? Token back Gosh, to Brooklyn. I don't know. Man, I just totally want to punt this because I feel bad. Because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not terribly enthralled by it. I feel, you know. I mean, even the low, low rating on the, you know, on the, on the wiki seems, you know, seems, I don't know, generous, I guess, just for the novelty of it and the, you know, the fact that it is such a creative, co- I mean, I guess if you were to have different types of ratings, certainly for the, 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 the con- concept of it all, I mean, you got to go nine plus, but I mean, you know, just as a song itself, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat lukewarm on it, even though I chose it chose to talk to you about it for you know for an hour uh you know i'd say just like six i mean i'm i'm you know i'm not i'm not too on fire for it sure yeah no i i I think that's fair um you know it is just like 
yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's wrong that uh, it's so low down on the wiki, but it's just you know, it's just kind of sad to see. But again, it's ranking every They Might Be Giant song, so something's yes. got to be near the bottom. And True. They got a lot of freaking songs. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I hadn't checked if uh, sometimes even the dial a song ones, people score them enough that they actually get in. Oh, get, get, yes, okay. All right. <laughs> so, token back to Brooklyn was 698. Subway token to Brooklyn is 257. <laughs> Significantly I, higher. That is that's 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 a hard to explain difference. But I but I would probably uh, say Subway Token back to Brooklyn uh, would would rank higher. I, I think. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I you know if I had to go to my desert island with 250 day map giants, I'm not sure that would be one of them. Even though, yeah. you know, hey. again, it's it's these Team BG heads who are like, well, I know this exists. So mm-hmm. I'm going to score it because <laughs> I'm that cool. Only 14 people actually ranked uh, Subway Token. Well, 54 people have ranked Token back to Brooklyn. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd say you aren't too far off here. And I think typically I, I do end up lower than my guests. And, and if, for the most part, I can't throw my 10s around as much. Uh, I, I think for this one, let's see. Some of my lower scores recently I gave... Atlanta off of venue songs of 4.9. Do I like it more than Atlanta? I don't, I mean, I've definitely, oh, yeah, I I think a little bit. I'm going to go 5.2 on Mm. this one. It's fallen below computer assisted design (laughs) off of here comes science. I don't don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Five point two, you know. Like I said, you know, if I'm scoring them all, some got to be down low, yeah, so that the ones that on. are up high, That's just math, you know, the ones that are up high, uh, uh, you know, are rever- more revered uh, appropriately. So, let's see. We have we are to the plug section, and uh, once again, must say, uh, baseball fans, White Sox fans, SouthsideSocks.com, <laughs> and the uh, accompanying podcast hosted by Brett here. Definitely worth checking out. Anything else you would like to plug or tell people about or social media or anything like that? Well, I don't know. I don't think you'd want to follow me on Twitter. I'm too political there anyway, or it's maybe maybe a little bit of sports talk, but, you know, just my first and last name. If you've, she's, you know, I've, I've, been, I've had 800 Twitter followers for all of existence. Back when I was on the beat covering the White Sox, I had roughly, you know, 50 times that but uh you know now i'm just me myself and i covering a team that just kicks itself kicks itself in its own <laughs> butt uh, on a consistent basis so <laughs> there's just no momentum gained uh you know but that's that and you know uh Southside Sox on twitter is also a fun uh, follow that is absolutely almost exclusively baseball so you have to be one of those unique folks you don't have to like the White Sox is your only sport to follow, but if somehow you like They Might Be Giants and the White Sox, which, by the way, Greg, it's not the craziest thing. My predecessor at Southside Sox now runs a, a uh, site called Sox Machine, uh, which is his original site. He went back to that. Uh, Jim Big, uh, They Might Be Giants fan. Occasionally, I'd see references and headlines way back when I was, say, on the beat or even uh, even after that, but not yet involved directly with Southside Sox. And I'd give him a little cap tip or whatever i would just at least let them know that, yeah. I, that I got it and I, at least one of my writers um you know cl- closer to you know prob- probably right around your age um 
uh, a big fan and, and catches the stuff when I throw it out there as well. And, and as you've seen in my uh, my uh, staff questionnaire, uh, mm-hmm. there is actual "They Might Be Giants" lyric in there, which, <laughs> to my uh, staff's credit, almost no one is actually identified as a "They Might Be Giants" <laughs> lyric and take it very straight and say, "I'm befuddled. I don't know how to answer." Yeah, what uh, is it? The, what, it's what the, a every jumble, jumble pile, pile of person. person has a thinking part that wonders what the part that isn't thinking isn't thinking of. Is that true or false? Uh, but I do get some fun answers. Sometimes people really, uh, really, really take it on and challenge it. And I actually do mean to track all my answers I've gotten over the hundred so people have written for me over the years to find out, you know, whether it's more yes, more no, uh, because I bet you it's, I think yes comes out more than no, but it's definitely, there's, there's definitely a split there. So, And I will say to get one more dig in at Cubs fans before we take <laughs> off is that, you know, I don't think it's so odd that, uh, you know, Chicago and Team BG, Chicago and Team BG fans would be Sox fans if they're into baseball because Normies like the Cubs while us, mm-hmm. you know, with the Sox, they're more of, you know... The more discerning men's baseball team, uh, people who don't like being, you know, that pop, mainstream, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're, we're you know, we like being the underdogs and Team BG are an underdog band uh, and That's- we love them. Uh, for that, and we love the White Sox for that. Too. Greg, that was a very polite way to say it. Let me cut it right to the bone and just let's just acknowledge it. The smarter fans mm-hmm. follow the White Sox, mm-hmm. and smart music fans love they might be giants. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just my take on it. You are way more diplomatic. What a sweetheart you are, but I'll break it down uglier than that. And you know, when the, when the IQ is above a certain level, hey, I'm going to go south side. Hey, I, right. I, I hope to get some hate tweets from, from Cubs fans. Uh, you know, it's always good to mix up on Twitter. It's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. Of uh, course. Yeah. So people can follow uh, This Might Be Pod on Twitter. Uh, you could send me hate mail as well to This Might Be Pod at Gmail or uh, angry Cubs fan voicemails at 224-801-2930. I will play your uh, insane ramblings on the air on the next episode. <laughs> if you call in about how, you know, the Cubs are the superior team, I will, uh, you know, reveal you for the insane person that you are. So, uh, Brett, thanks again for being on and uh, hanging with me for so long to uh, with all this back and forth, finally making this episode happen. This has been great. Uh, another podcast dream fulfilled. Oh, hurrah for me. Uh, hey, listen, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Fenway Park one day at another one. I know there's one song still out there that perhaps I could try to snap up and we can talk about more baseball. We can go, we can, we can uh, muse about a, a decade ago and all the crazy stories of Fenway Park, et cetera. Sure. But yeah. I'm not going to try to cheat my way into that, but uh, <laughs> boy, I'd love to do it again. All righty. Yep. I, I have been lucky enough to have been to Fenway. Uh, but um, yeah, well, uh, you're welcome to pick that song i believe i know the one you're still talking about is still open but uh yeah anyway for tonight though uh we'll call it a night thanks again our feet start running at a furious pace but we can't get